0: You know, the city-inspired cocktail. I have things that I'm using throughout my entire presentation that are utilizing the art scene here. Hello, and welcome back
1: to this week's episode of the TF Cast. I'm Willis. Hey, we got Grum here. It is
2: July 26th here in the Solarium. And I'm your host, Jacob Aces. Stay with us, we are very pre- pleased to present Chris, our local bartender here from the Wine Cafe, who is also a regional finalist for the Woodford Reserve Woodford Reserve cocktail, oh. Chris, just fix it.
0: Uh, it's the Woodford Reserve Manhattan experience.
2: There we go. And uh, you know, just for a little bit of a uh, little bit of context,
0: what does that mean to be a finalist, and what is this competition? Uh, so Woodford Reserve's Manhattan experience is a competition put on uh, throughout, I believe, North America. It's. Um, Basically, Woodford asks you to take their product and make a Manhattan variant off of it. So, like, push your creativity, push from the standard standard recipe for Manhattan. You're looking at your dark liquor, you're looking at your sweet vermouth, and you're looking at your bitters. Standard proportions are historically two parts of your dark liquor, whether it be a whiskey, a rye, a brandy. Um, one part of your sweet vermouth and then two dashes of your traditionally Angostura bitters which are just uh, spices suspended in alcohol. Uh, and they're looking for you to push that farther, and they're looking for you to take that and put your own spin on it, get creative with it, bring in new concepts, new ideas, new flavors, while still like holding true to that core, that baseline. Mm. Um, but they're not just asking you to do that. They're also asking you to introduce um, another original recipe that also uses Woodford product. Um, so you have to come up with your uh, Manhattan variant. You have to come up with your second cocktail um this year things have changed slightly last year they were doing state competitions this year it's now regional um so i am one of eight finalists for the midwest which is 15 states i believe um and then uh yeah they're asking you to just kind of push your creativity with that and run and use woodford creatively so how are uh,
1: how will these drinks be judged we got the there's a Manhattan variant, and then there's the other original one. Are they judged on flavor, presentation, what kind of metrics?
0: Um, they're judged on everything. Okay. They're looking at your flavor. They're looking at your creativity. They're looking at the way you're presenting. They're looking at the story that you're telling with it. They're kind of covering all the bases. Um,
1: is, it, is it also a performance in the sense that you make it like as part of the thing, or is it an after-the-drink-has-been-made sort of review?
0: Um, so it is a live on stage presentation. I will be preparing them in person in Chicago for these judges. Um, and I will be actively, I'm, I mean, it's, it's really up to the individuals, how they want to like Mm -hmm. fully present it. Um, there is leeway, but you will be on stage. You will be in front of judges and in front of a crowd. Mm -hmm. Um, and you are looking to present yourself in the best way in that, in that fashion. Um, so Yeah, it's just kind of however you feel best represents you, whether you're going to be talking through the entire thing, whether you're going to be just bits and bobs here and there. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's like, it's what you want it to be.
3: So, uh, just to be clear, this is something I didn't realize last time you had done this. You're in charge of your glassware, your garnishes, your any other way you want to dress your serving. You're in charge of bringing
0: all that as well, right? Oh, yeah. This is, this is full on. This is, um, yeah. Uh, so like I told them what kind of glassware I was expecting to use and they will provide standard things. Oh. Um, they'll provide like if I just want a 12 ounce Collins glass, they will have that for me.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I
0: want a standard coupe, they will have that for me. But if I'm doing specialty that I have to bring with me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I am actually using special presentation for my Manhattan. Yeah. Um, I, I dug back into Woodford's parent company. I, last year I did this competition for the state level. Uh, when last year it was a state competition instead of a regional competition. Um, and I dug deep. I went deep into like Brown Forman's website. I looked at their history um, and I found out in the m- early to mid 80s, uh, Brown Forman acquired Lenox China, yeah, yeah, which is a bone China company. It's they've done presidential collections and all kinds of stuff like that. Um, and they had that until they sold it off to... Uh, a company out of Eden Prairie. Uh, they sold it to them in 2005. Mm. So I went around to a bunch of thrift stores and I kept looking for Lennox China. And finally, the last one that I hit on the far edge of St. Peter, I found this Lennox China pattern. And it turns out it's actually from 1997. So solidly in the middle of the time when yes. the parent company owned the China company. Mm. Um, and I also just, I really like the pattern. I think it's um, like, it's just, It's just like a cute, very like Art Deco esque, which I've always had a passion and a love for.
1: Yeah, that looks like it's that kind of
0: stuff.
3: Okay, yeah,
0: awesome. Yeah, and then it's just Lennox China, Um, but I dug back and I found a pattern, and then I. Got additional glassware, because I only found one piece last yeah. year. Um, and But then I, like, went on eBay. I went on uh, replacement sites, and I found more of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's part of my service and my presentation for this cool. cocktail.
3: And is there anything extra? Like, uh, my only real reference for this is that Netflix show, and they always have, like, crazy serving platters and usually something extra on there. Or is this more about, like, the glass?
0: If I really wanted to, I'm sure I could go to that level, but, yeah. like... I don't love going to that level in general because, like, don't I either. It's, it's sort of like a
1: flare. Exactly. Like, either, it's either adding to it or it's subtracting from it. Right, too, and I think so.
0: once you hit that point, yeah. it becomes detracting. Mm-hmm. Like, you're you're just taking away from your actual drink. And this, this contest is focused primarily mm-hmm. on your recipes. Yep, okay. They're looking for good usage. They're looking for good flavor balance. They're looking for all of that. Cool. And, like, once you get to those extreme presentations, I feel like, You're dressing something up and it feels like you're trying to hide mistakes or, you know, less refined details in Mm -hmm. your actual cocktail. So what did it look like to get to this point
1: in the process as a finalist for the region?
0: Yes. Um, So basically, online submissions were due uh, mid-June. And so you had to develop your recipe. You had to send in your recipe in, you know, it's breakdown, like here's your parts, here's your preparation. Is there specific ice that you want used? Is there specific glassware that you want used? Um, And then the, for the Manhattan, they were, the question was, tell us why this is your ideal Manhattan recipe. Mm. And so you had to do a little write up on that. And then you had to have your second cocktail, which for this year, this is different than last year. um, It is a, it is meant to be representative of your city.
1: Oh, interesting. So they
0: were like, "Tell us the story of how your city influences your cocktail." So do we have a Mankato cocktail going along. Uh, so one of my one of my cocktails is based around Mankato and what I feel Mankato can be. Okay. Um, how closely that ties is, you know, up to yeah, interpretation. That. Well, I'd love to know more about it. I could give you the full readout of what I sent them. Yeah, if that, you would that, like, I, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, will, I will word for word it because I enjoy the way that I, oh yeah, that's dropping. I really enjoy the way that I phrased it and wrote it out. Um, and I don't think I can do it by memory. <laughs> sure. no problem. Um, so the prompt was, tell us your city inspiration story and how you incorporated it into your cocktail. Since June of 2020, I have worked at the Wine Cafe. The bar sits right in the middle of the original downtown of Mankato, and I am able to see all of its history and progress from here. Mankato, Minnesota is a small city nestled in the valley created by the confluence of the Minnesota and Blue Earth Rivers. Due to the readily available resources, people settled in the valley and began farming and building up the area around the river. Over time, Mankato began to expand, with a number of families utilizing the rivers for milling, and subsequently transporting milled grains and other products to other cities and towns. Industry soon expanded further to excavating the local limestone deposit, 13 breweries, multiple colleges, an iron foundry, and many other endeavors. As time has passed, Mankato has reinvented and reinvigorated itself, most recently from a hard party in town to a vibrant local art scene with a growing group of conscious cocktail consumers. When I look out at my city from the bar, I see where we have been, where we are now, and where we're headed south central minnesota's pride parade starts right next to the bar every year across the street grain silos for the mill have been painted with a mural that reflects mankato's history and diversity from the back patio i have seen protests and celebrations on the veterans memorial bridge my cocktail reflects the journey of this city through time starting with a base in classic cocktails changes are made and depth is added the new service industry of mankato is showcased with the introduction of barrel-aged malort I went to the local arts co-op to make the stamp for my garnish, as well as to screen print the custom cocktail napkins I quilted. Creativity, care, and craft are present throughout Mankato and encapsulated in this cocktail. It gave me goosebumps. Yeah, That's That's amazing. I get myself every time I read it because I'm like... (laughs) (laughs) okay you really like went off like I love the way it reads me me
1: me too it's cool I like I like how it it ties it it did a great job of even just explaining like brief history of Mankato which I wasn't expecting right because well I'm
0: I'm sending this off to the distillery which is in Versailles Kentucky and I'm sending this off to liquor.com which I believe is based in New York City and so they have zero frame of reference they have nothing that they know maybe about Minnesota but more like, yeah. l- more likely than not, they know absolutely nothing Mancada? about Mankato. What's that? <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Um, and so yeah. I wanted to give them, you know, context. Oops, sorry about that. <laughs> call. I wanted to give like them, like, context. I wanted to give them background. I wanted to, like, help them understand what this city is, what it's been, and why all of this pulls together and where we've, like, made these changes over time. So
1: why, why, why barrel age Malort? And, um, you know, what, what about that specific, uh,
0: spirit, you know, connects you with the area? How do how you get there? I mean, I wouldn't say Malort connects to Mankato per se. Okay. I think it connects to the service industry heavily. Mm. Um, and like specifically at the wine cafe, I think we're probably the biggest on sale seller for sure in the region mm. until you hit the cities. I'm sure we're pretty much the the bar that's selling the most um because it really is a service industry thing it's a the vaguely masochistic thing yeah about. it's so
2: tasty how could I mean, you that resist
0: too, i actually love it i do love it um but also the barrel aged is really interesting because they take it and they decided to barrel age it
2: <laughs> i don't think i've
0: had that one and You're i've like, had you quite a bit of more barrel.
3: oh you haven't had it i more. haven't i
0: did bring it along just oh, in case yeah well um hey. so yeah if you want to yeah, uh, Would you one. show it to this camera for me? Yes. Ooh. So, uh, Malort is, uh, Carl Jepsen and company, uh, out of Chicago. It's like a very historic Chicago liqueur, which I believe, uh, was a prohibition era liqueur. Um, so it was intended as, uh, uh, medicinal alcohol. So it's, uh, the primary like flavor notes that I get off of it are grapefruit, pith and peel and wormwood. So like if you took and just bit into a whole unpeeled grapefruit, like an apple, And then just a little bit of wormwood on the back end. Mm. Um, Mm. It's really interesting. It's fascinating. You either like love it or hate it. Yeah. Um, But yeah, they barrel age it and it just, it just softens all of the edges on it. It's really interesting. Mm. Um, And I wanted to include it for like the service industry concept and like introducing that. But also weirdly, it like, it genuinely made the cocktail taste better. Like, I made it without, and I made it with, and I was like, oh, all of a sudden, everything just, like, came together and solidified.
2: Yeah, I I think it's a good ingredient. Like, I I like your Yes Chef cocktail, and I, like, you've basically, since you brought it, like, you know, people have, like, the knee-jerk reaction to Malort, which is like, ah, let's make someone take a shot of Malort. Right. But, like, you've been fairly dedicated to, like, making things that taste really good with it, and it like any ingredient, it's about how you use it. So I, I think it, it speaks to your, um, you know, ability as a as a person who designs cocktails, I know what words, I'm not allowed to use.
0: So. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I love a challenge. I love like finding mm-hmm. a way to integrate something that people are going to have a knee jerk reaction to or, you know, yeah. not be sure on and find a way to utilize it well. Um, What's your what's your background? Uh what's
2: your background in like what what made you want to get into craft cocktails and even think that oh like I wanna start looking into competitions and bring myself on a
0: showcase? So I I have a weird background. If like it's not I mean it's not an atypical route, but it's also not like what I expected when I started going to college. Uh I went to college for uh theater. I was an acting, directing, scenic design, and technical theater major. Um, Graduated and got a job in Mankato working for uh, MSU for their summer program for Highland, uh, doing scenic design for them. And that's what brought me here originally. And then I ended up really liking the town. So I moved out. Um, And then I needed to find a job. So I started working in bars. I started digging more into cocktails. I had previous experience with like coffee, wine, and beer. Mm. And doing all of that really helped me jump into like bartending and cocktails really easily because like, there's a lot of transferable skills between like doing handcrafted espresso drinks and doing cocktails. It's like methodical. Um, and then I just like, it's the, it's like the scenic design thing where like you dig in and you research stuff Mm. and you try to find context and you try to like, build your knowledge on things by looking into them. I just started buying cocktail books, and I started digging in deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, And then I just started making my own and I started like building concepts in my head and figuring out I can like I can contextualize flavors and things really well internally without actually making them. Like most of the cocktail menu that we have at the cafe right now I built just in my head and did like, maybe one or two trial runs of each. Where I messed with the proportions a little bit, played with it, but like for the most part, it was just. Mm. And so
2: you're just uh, like sitting around thinking of something like the death of Tanya, like yeah, I mean, I uh, well
0: see, <laughs> that one I love because that to me is uh, just so clearly how I function. I work really, really well when I have restrictions. And I think that's part of why I got into this competition is because like, Mm. I'm working well within restrictions. Yeah. I'm making solid cocktails out of a recovering dive bar. Yeah. Like Mm. I'm, Mm. you know, we're, we're, and I say that with absolute love, but we are like a recovering dive bar We're we're coming out of not a lot. The,
2: the pandemic was hard and it just changed hands and right. There's it, that. That's a good way to describe it. I don't think anyone would take any yeah. issue with that. Right?
3: I, I also remember when you made that cocktail. It was mm-hmm. at one of our shifts. Yeah, yeah. Well, well yeah. tell people what it is, because I'm sure not
0: every single person has had one. Right. <laughs> what? They haven't... Get down uh, to the wine cafe and have a Death of uh, Tanya. The Death of Tanya is a gin-based caprese salad-inspired cocktail. So I was coming into doing a summer menu, and I wanted to think about, like bringing in fresh ingredients and trying to lighten and summer vibes. Mm. But I didn't want to have to bring in new ingredients that we don't already utilize. I didn't want to like dig too deep into stuff that we don't have a ton of on hand. So mostly that means that I'm working out of our sandwich cooler. (laughs) Sure. Where I was like, what do I have in there? What do I have that's fresh? What do I have that's different? Well, tomatoes and basil are what we had in there. And then we have that wonderful uh, honey balsamic glaze that Millie made for our honey goat pizza. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, what if I mess around a little bit and what if I see if I can pull off a caprese salad inspired cocktail? And so it's gin, muddled tomato, fresh basil, some lemon, some lime juice, uh, some simple syrup, and a bar spoon of that honey balsamic glaze, shake it up, double strain it, and top it off with some fresh cracked black pepper and a basil leaf. And it's just, it's beautifully aromatic. It's weird. Yeah, it's it's an odd experience. I, I like the cocktail a lot. Um, I also do. I yeah. yeah, I think it's fantastic.
1: Yeah, it sounds strange. It's interesting to think about. When you're talking about, like, designing a drink, it, it makes me think about how in this show we often ask a question of, like, musicians or artists. That's like, how do you start with something? Like, do you come from it, you know, with what am I gonna do with this gin? Or is it more like in the example that you just gave the death death to Tanya? Death of Tanya. Death of Tanya. Um that one that one sounds like a a useful constraints with the bar cooler, but I'm wondering how, how they start. You know, like when you're thinking like I need a new drink, or when you've got a new menu project, like where would you start with it? Would you start with the primary liquors or are you kind of like zooming in on a a side ingredient you want to add where are you at with that
0: that can really go any way like Mm. you can be because like I with the menu that I just put out that we just put out um I wanted to do you know I had certain notches that I wanted to fill so I wanted six cocktails and I wanted to have like a gin base a vodka base a rum base Mm. a whiskey base a tequila base and i wanted like an amaro i wanted something a little off the beaten path and then i create like i was either i had already already thought of um something within that range or i was finding something recipe wise and like conceptually that both spoke to summer Mm. and also um worked with those liquors but you can also i mean there's any way that you can conceptualize a cocktail menu i've seen ones where it's oh this entire menu is pink drinks that's it and this is pre-barbie like this is (laughs) forever ago (laughs) where people were like okay guys love craft cocktails but they hate pink drinks if they walk in they're going to have no choice but to get a pink drink (laughs) if they want something (laughs) off the cocktail menu. (laughs) Cowards. Exactly. I love a pink drink. Yeah, Um, we drink pink drinks on the TFA. Hell yeah. Yeah. But like you can also conceptualize around like a theme. Mm -hmm. You can conceptualize around a season. You can conceptualize around a a specific ingredient Mm -hmm. or a brand or what have you. Like it can be anything. Your only limit is really where you want to go with it in your creativity. And for reference, the one we're talking about is all summer TV shows and movies, right? So yeah, um, in, in conceptualizing that menu, I went, it's, so it's summer, so I want things that are gonna be lighter, more refreshing, not as heavy, um, stuff that's going to have uh, lengtheners with it. So juices, soda, water, whatever. Because the other thing with a summer menu is you want things that uh, are gonna be easy drinking, but not like necessarily a straight chug of alcohol. Like you don't want a summer menu that's all like Manhattans and old fashions because you need things that are going to help people hydrate when they're out on a warm patio. Mm. You need things that are going to like make people take a little bit longer. Um, But then also in especially the naming conventions, uh, I went with uh, the theme of the menu is for your consideration. So it's all based on uh, movies and TV shows from the last year. Uh, Because like at the cafe, we pretty much every award show we will have on on the tv in the background and we will sit as a group you know because we're so regular driven and a lot of the regulars really enjoy media uh and talking about it so many conversations at the cafe center around what tv shows are you watching what books are you reading what you know all of that um and so i thought that would be a good way to do our first menu uh to harken back to that Oh,
3: one thing that uh, I kind of wanted to bring up earlier, but I think might be good now. Uh, When I was watching that show on Netflix, the most surprising thing to me as someone who like just started at the wine cafe like a year ago, never was really into cocktails, was when the judges would uh, complain that they couldn't taste the spirit. Right. Because I think growing up, I was like, the less I can taste the alcohol, the better the cocktail. So I would... Uh, I was wondering if you could speak to that a bit about like celebrating
0: the spirit rather than hiding it. Right. Um, Yeah. That's an interesting balance to run because sometimes you want the spirit to come through really heavy. Sometimes you want to make sure like, Hey, it's here. It's present. It's notable. Like the Manhattan. Exactly. Yep. Um, And sometimes you're looking to utilize a spirit well and maybe that means that it doesn't sing through on its own as much. Yeah, yeah. It it depends entirely on the kind of drink that you're making in my opinion. Yeah. It's, you know, sometimes sometimes you want the gin to come through heavy, sometimes you want the gin to just be there as a support for mm-hmm. other flavors. And so that just really varies and makes a difference on on what you're going for. Okay. Um
3: And the Malort is a great example of that. As Jacob said earlier, uh, we've had multiple customers that have come and told me that they had never in their life seen a cocktail that celebrated Malort. And they, like, literally are drinking at our bar solely because they heard there was a Malort cocktail.
0: Oh, yeah. No, I that was definitely a goal with that one was to, like, Mm -hmm. elevate it a little bit and, like, but still... It's still there at the core. Like oh, some people yeah. Yeah, will Malort not Cox. love it. It's,
3: it's more Malorty than Malort in some ways. <laughs> like it's
1: yeah, great. You wouldn't want like it to be like, Hey, it's a Malort drink, but you can't get the flavor. Right. I still, especially with like... that one,
0: I yeah. want it to come through like enough that the core is still absolutely there yeah. uh, because it's such a heavily distinctive one. Um, I want that to come through really. In the, the.
1: Death of Tanya drink, is that one? So that one was a gin base, I think you said. Is that an example of one where maybe the presence of the gin was more of a carrier than a specific flavor?
0: Right, it's very that. And that's also uh, why I went with the gin that I did because I used Ford's for that one, Ford's gin. And um, Ford's is a really good like newer gin that is really pared down. I think it's only nine botanicals, um, but it works so good as a cocktail gin. Mm. Because it's a great, just, it's a great carrier. It's a great support for other flavors, especially herbal or, mm. you know, floral, et cetera. It's really good just as a solid base for those things and for helping carry them through. I feel like mm. it adds almost like a refreshing
3: quality. Exactly. To the yeah. Yeah. Time. yeah. It, mm. it really does.
0: Yeah, that's
2: interesting. Yeah. So, oh, you want to talk about some? I still want, I want to try that more? Can, oh, yeah. can I have a You're, shot of that more? <laughs> yeah. Um...
3: Oh, what was I gonna?
1: Yeah, I'm curious about. Um, I think. Thank I you. Guess, <sighs> next steps with the uh, the competition. So you mentioned
0: you're going to Chicago. Yes, they are uh, to p- compete. Yeah, so Woodford's flying me out to Chicago, um, and putting me up in a hotel for a couple of days. Nice. Cool. Um, doing we're doing a welcome dinner. We're doing a hangout. We're uh, getting a prep afternoon. And then it's a live competition in front of an audience and in front of judges. So I've got um, three judges that are going to be there. Um, They're all fairly high profile within the cocktail and uh, like drink scene. Um, It's not nerve wracking at all yeah well who's who's your competition like what are some of the other people that you'll be competing against so um pretty much everybody else is coming from much larger markets that's Mm -hmm. been the thing that's been a little huh yeah uh because i've i looked everybody up because of course i did i checked out everybody's instagram absolutely um but like everybody else so there's three coming from chicago there's two coming from michigan one from detroit and one from another market uh in michigan but also still a fairly large market mm-hmm. uh one's coming from cleveland ohio and one's coming from milwaukee wisconsin mm-hmm. but looking at looking at all of their stuff looking at like looking at the places that they work i'm sitting here and i'm like everybody here is coming from like three to 500 bottle cocktail bars mm-hmm. like yeah. they have access to Anything and everything. They have access to things that I've never seen in person. Yeah,
3: yeah. Just like resource-wise. Exactly, and yeah. And also like the network of
0: other people who work in that right, scene. Right, yeah. They have like their, they have mentors. They have like people yeah, right there. Yeah. They have a bunch of other cocktail bars in the area that they can go to and feed into yeah. and exchange ideas with. You, you have which one, I mean, we're, we're getting there. Yeah, like yeah. I've, I've been able to talk with people here and pick their brain. Yeah. I sat down with Alexa who owns Nola Bell yeah, in yeah. developing my second cocktail. Oh yeah. And I, gu- like, I guess
3: that's two then.
0: Well, I was thinking Nola Bell and the flask. Right. Right. Um, there's, yeah, there's others. We're getting there. Cool. We're, we're cool. definitely building up. What is it? What is it that determines
1: a craft it's cocktail a, bar? Yeah. Versus what's like, the difference? Yeah. Cause you you walk into any bar and try and order like something and they'll either I don't know you'll You'll probably get
3: get something yeah right (laughs) does it
2: gummy bear
0: sharks (laughs) (laughs) I guess it's it's hard to say what that line is yeah um but I always think. Baseline, like, if you walk in and you say, can I get a Manhattan, what kind of look does the bartender give you? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's like my, like, barest baseline. Or like, if you say, can I get an old fashioned and you're not in Wisconsin, like, how is it prepared? Yeah. Uh, It's just like.
2: I I think old fashions
0: are funny cocktails anyways. They are. People
2: are like, do you make a good old fashioned here? And it's like, how would you like, like, how inept would you have to be? To be at a place where you could make an old fashioned and make not like not make
0: the simplest (laughs) drink of all time. Right. Uh, Like that's the that's the other thing. Like people always ask, do you make a good old fashioned? Well, A, that's wildly subjective. Yeah. yeah. That's entirely on your palate, whether or not to you it's a good old fashioned. Some people like an old fashioned that's like granulated sugar, cherries, like neon red maraschino cherries (laughs) orange slices all muddled up in a pint glass with like three (laughs) ounces of bourbon topped off with a full glass of sprite like to them that's an old-fashioned and that's a good old-fashioned in wisconsin right yeah i mean that's like (laughs) one of the traditional wisconsin also that um but like that's a traditional wisconsin yeah and that's a i think that's technically a sweet wisconsin wisconsin has like eight different types of old it's Mm. The old fashion has gone so many different ways in Wisconsin. I'm (laughs) vastly confused. I want to dig into that history. Sometimes, especially funny because of the name, like the
3: whole name and like, it means like some sort of tradition, but then you're just like changing it. So like
0: the, the old fashioned actually, I believe dates back to like really, really early on. Like, I think even pre-prohibition days Mm -hmm. where like the quality of the booze that we were getting in the States was bad it was yeah. so bad so you had to do additives you had to do things and it was originally the old fashioned whiskey cocktail like it it was this was like the second wave of things they were going i want that old fashioned whiskey cocktail i want what we used to have and like some would do like rock sugar that they let sit yeah. in the in the whiskey and we're getting a resurgence of or that now with things rise. like the it's rock and so rye yeah yeah. I, I mean like it it is it's candied whiskey. Um, right, but they're just they're harkening back to really traditional
2: concepts. So like kind of
1: like when they would when they would add things like sugar to the whiskey to make it taste Exactly, right. yeah. Okay. I just um, I don't
2: think I think that the, when it comes to that though it's like it they when you present it to me as like a high-end thing it's like they were doing this to like cover up bathtub booze, right? Like yeah, right. <laughs> right. Which does, is
0: fine like I I love that we're like harkening back to history, but at the same time I do take a second moment and I go how bad is the base spirit in this Mm. that you Mm. are doing this to? Like, like where's your base spirit at that? This is what you're choosing to do. Are you Mm -hmm. picking really, really awful stuff and going, we need to find a way to sell this Mm. or are you working with high quality? And are you trying to elevate it and bring, bring an elevation to those classic concepts?
2: I mean, either way, I've never had like a really bad feeling after drinking a rock and rye, but I don't know if I could have
0: many drinks that were that sweet. Right. It's, it's one that I almost want to temper. It's one that I want mm-hmm. to like dilute down. It's one that I want to introduce like something that doesn't have extra sugar in it. Um, and just like, but I also, I don't love a sweet drink. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I mean, like my go-to currently is a gin and soda. Because I decided tonic was too sweet for me.
2: Tonic is tonic is, is the sweetest thing on gun, I feel the gun. Tonic is
0: the like. literal most heavily sugared mixer. That's because well, you're working right. with quinine, which is a ridiculously bitter, bitter herb. And mm -hmm. that's the main flavoring in tonic. And you have to try to offset that. And you have to offset that with so much sugar. Mm -hmm. A gin and tonic Mm -hmm. is not a low-calorie cocktail. That's my first takeaway. First takeaway? Yeah. That's the first thing you should take away from this entire hour long. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) yes, yes. (laughs) I I think a lot to
3: do with the craft cocktail is kind of like how I look at, like, Bell is like when I hear their employees talk like the chefs are actually in charge of the menu and they're actually going off of what's in season and what's available rather than like, we have these seven burgers and these wing choices, you know? And so that, that's what it means to me. Like we have a real cocktail menu and someone in charge of it who actually pays attention to trends, seasons, rather than calling it the, the wacky, wonderful wizard cocktail or something like that. Where
0: are you drinking? Cool. We only drink at Applebee's. (laughs) Now that's a craft cocktail bar. Yeah, there we go. It's interesting, actually, like TGI Fridays and Applebee's really did help like usher in some of this era of like the craft cocktail bar. Mm. Because like they did have drinks programs and they had drinks programs Mm. that were like were national and were consistent. And that helped people like build up a familiarity with like, oh. Okay, I can trust this. This may sound a little weird, but I know that it's gonna be consistent. I know that it's gonna be like, and then they also were like, they were changing their recipes on a regular basis. They were changing what they were offering. TGI Fridays, like, legitimately did a lot for this. And yes, it's, we look at it weird now because it did take a turn. The 90s took a turn for everyone in terms of drinks. That era of everything being a martini, every mixed drink was a martini, an apple teeny espresso martini like it it's so far away from what a martini at its core is yeah. what the actual cocktail is the apple tini is like my
2: i if you or if you like walk up to me and ask for an i'm just like where are you like is that what? is that your red flag drink yeah, it, yeah, it is. yeah. i think it is an apple tini for me is like a red flag drink and i said to be like <laughs> oh i'm sorry we don't have one of those on our cocktail menu and it, people are just like <gasps>
0: No, oh, I'm just like <laughs> yeah. I'm like, we don't have sour apple pucker.
3: Yeah, we we don't. That's and actually, I'm happy about that. Yeah. Dude, two, that can stay in the nineties. Two ounces of crown apple and some some simple syrup, here you go. <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> now I'm wondering I'm wondering if I could do an elevated like 90s cocktail menu oh that like, would be take fun the, take those cocktails take those horrible horrible cocktails yeah and elevate them and change them and like just like that yeah recontextualize the Apple appletini with crown apple yeah yeah and make it mm. a bur or a whiskey base instead of a vodka and liqueur base like mm, yeah that's That'd be interesting. That's a concept right there. What would you say to someone
3: uh, who, because so before, honestly, before becoming your friend, I didn't realize like how much even went into these craft cocktails. To me, it was like you have so many ounces of these liquors and you pick your spirit and you go. What would you just say to someone who's like just getting into craft cocktails? Like, what does even the learning process look like? Because I've seen you with like books thicker than any book
0: I've ever read that's just all cocktails. Oh yeah. Um I have a ridiculous collection of cocktail books. I think I'm I think I have over 50 or 60. Yeah, and, th- and they're, they're like, all like that. They're all like Most um, yeah, they're all like and they're like they're heady. Like they're not like it's not like hey, here's all of your 90s martinis. Uh I think there's one that I have that has like those kinds of things in it, but otherwise it's like they're almost like art books like they're Mm -hmm. like coffee table books almost coming from like these well-respected bars like death and company uh the aviary pdt all of these different spots and it's their recipes and i think the biggest thing that i take away from some of those is that they're like they're aspirational and inspirational and there is not a chance in god's green earth that i am going to be able to make a lot of those cocktails Mm -hmm. because like so many of those are like oh so it's a bacon washed it's a fat washed um infusion of bourbon and then it's this uh cold pressed apple juice that we actually ran through a uh siphon and got and i'm like i literally can't do any of that Mm -hmm. like i don't have the resources i don't have the money to sink into any of that like i i'm not buying a centrifuge yeah at all
3: are there like investments that you think are a good way to spend your money as someone like Coming up as wanting to make crack cocktails, Yeah.
0: Um, I think some of your biggest investments, uh, get some high quality tools right away mm. is like the biggest thing. Mm. Get like a good, uh, two part, uh, weighted shaker tin, get, um, a solid jigger, which is the measuring tool. I love the Japanese style because it's tall and narrow. Mm. Um, and then it's less likely to spill Oh, because okay. there's ones that are short and squat and yeah. have the, uh, the, like the martini glass style whereas the japanese style is like this and so you get a like you get an easier meniscus to work with that like doesn't meniscus
2: mm,
0: i don't know they feel better in the hand though that too and they just i think they look more elegant too mm-hmm. um but just get yourself a good set of baseline tools a mixing glass shaker tin jigger uh bar spoon uh Hawthorn and uh julep strainers Start there. Like mm. that's your most solid investment is starting mm. with good tools. And then find a few books that you like. Find a few books where you're like, there's a there's a mix of like aspirational, inspirational and practical recipes in it. Mm. Find things that you can jump off of mm. and you can like read, find things with depth and like that you can take, read through and go, ah, that's something I'd never thought of. Interesting. Like uh, I was reading through the PDT cocktail book And I got to a section about this one tequila cocktail and it was like, we, uh, we made a, I think it was a corn simple syrup. It was like, we infused a simple syrup with like fresh sweet corn because tequila ties really well with vegetal flavors. And I was like, I had never once considered that tequila would tie well with vegetal flavors. But since then I've used that trick. I made a snap pea margarita.
3: That actually that good. That was
0: delicious. It was bomb. I just I muddled some peas. fresh snap peas and made like a standard margarita. But it turned out like this gorgeous green shade. And that people questioned it. I was serving this at the Loose Moose, too. But like people were like people would literally come in just to order that drink That's later cool. because they were like, it's actually really delicious it sounds really good and like sweet but earthy in the right way yeah so like find books Mm -hmm. that you can take that inspiration from that you can pick up on little notes from that you can get like tips and tricks um there's so many books out there and there's some that are really great and there's some that are not worth your time in my opinion yeah and it's just finding the balance and finding what you think will be useful for you would you say it might be
3: smart to like kind of like pick a spirit and experiment it or would you say it's better to just like just like kind of shotgun it right away.
0: I think it's good to not necessarily stick to one specific drink. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's good to taste your way around and get a familiarity with all the spirits you can fake all the spirits you can find and figure out. Um, Because then, and if you can like be tasting and like developing those taste memories, you'll be able to like think back and go, okay, this and this and this, and then you'll be able to make those like logic jumps and pair jumps and like figure out what you can play with um it's just so good to like taste your way around and figure out all of your baselines and run with that I think yeah a lot like food yeah exactly exactly Mm, yeah and then
3: last one I've heard that almost one of the easiest way you can step up a cocktail is just better ice Uh, and I've heard this a lot, but I actually haven't been personally to a bar where they seemed like they were using like quality ice and they were instead erring on like using more quality spirits. Is there like a lot of truth to that? Or like, do you make your own ice or anything like that?
0: Yeah, that's a question. Um, I have not yet worked in a bar where we have like a cold draft ice machine or anything like that. Um, I do know that definitely your ice and your water quality does have an impact on your drinks because like part of drinks is dilution. Yeah. So more surface area, better, right? Uh, within, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's like the, the base understanding is like the more surface area, the less, dilution you're going to have from your cubes into your drink but then the other thing to think about is like in the preparation of your drink you're also looking for dilution you're looking for a certain level of water content that's going to bring down your abv it's going to loosen everything up like whiskey specifically um you'll notice this with with like whiskey tastings and with like people who are really passionate about their whiskey some people want it with absolutely nothing some people want it with like three drops of water some people want it with like one cube Mm-hmm. And some people want it just on the rocks. All of those things wildly change the flavor. Yeah. Because whiskey, like whiskey, loosens up with like just a little bit of water. All of a sudden, the molecular compounds and structures like change just ever so slightly, and it just opens up, and suddenly more flavors are noticeable. Mm-hmm. It's the science in everything with drinks is wild. Yeah. Like yeah. it can. There's so many different things that impact it, and you would not think. All of these things impact, yeah, I mean, you're doing chemistry, very that yeah, yeah. it's it's unique
3: mm. cool, all right, those are my fast hitter questions in <laughs> yeah
0: well what
2: what's the game plan? what are you bringing to this competition like you know you you have your own
0: cocktails, your own style like what what are you going into there with? I'm going in there doing my best to represent myself and mankato and bring in my little touches. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's, it's crazy to me that I got into this competition, especially after looking through the competitors, it's wild to me looking at these people with these like 400 bottle bars and centrifuges and all of these tools. And then I'm like, and then I got in Mm -hmm. and I think it's because again, it's because I'm working within restrictions. Cause like I, again, I'm going to touch back on like the same four points that I've already said, but like, I've read all those books. And I see all these aspirational things and I'm like, I love it, but also I can't make it. Mm -hmm. And I, when I've done these, this is the second time I've done this because I did it last year. When I've done this, I've done things that I can make at home or in the bar. And like right now, I can't even make these drinks at the bar because we're missing the liqueur for each of the three that I'm trying to make. We don't have the liqueur present in the bar. Uh, One of them is still not distributed in Southern Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, Jay Rieger's uh, Cafe Amaro is made in Kansas City. Um, It's a great coffee-based Amaro. I love it. Mm. Um, My brother actually works at the coffee roastery that provides them the beans and he's how I found out about it originally. Mm. Um, But that's what I'm using in my Manhattan. And Literally, we don't have a distributor in southern Minnesota yet. They're working on it. I know because he literally, my brother told me, he's like, I talked to the owner, or I talked to like one of the owners. He talked to his rep there. They're talking to your rep up there. We're trying, they're trying to get it up there for like for <laughs> everyone to have. And yeah. I would love that because I really want it at the bar as like something to go right up next to Fernet and like be another, another like good slightly bitter liqueur. I think there's great possibilities for it. Um Where was I? Um but like baseline I'm making stuff that anyone who can get their hands on the ingredients which come essentially as they would come from the liquor store. If you can get your hands on those ingredients, you will be able to make this cocktail. Like, it's not, lot. it doesn't have a lot of infusion or all these complex techniques. Mm. It's, it's straightforward. And we're seeing in, in drinks, we're seeing kind of a trend back towards that after like years of going mm. wildly, wildly complex after years of going like really intense on like, like smoked like cocktails, that kind of like, stuff. yeah, stuff in that vein where like it the only place you're going to be able to get it is at this specific bar in this specific city. Mm. We're now seeing a shift back towards coming up with like new classic recipes, Mm -hmm. things that are accessible to anyone, anywhere, Mm. which that's, that's my style is like trying to give things to people that they could also make at home. Mm. And And then I, it's easy either. It's not, it's not like super simple, Mm -hmm. but like, The recipes are straightforward enough that if you have a, if you have a knowledge, you could do it. If you are in a bar somewhere and you have these ingredients, you can make these recipes. Mm. And I think that's, I think that's a strength that I'm coming in with is like, I've worked so heavily within the restrictions that I have at the places that I work that I, I can just build solid recipes. Mm. Um, so that's what I'm coming into it with. Um, coming into it with really putting myself out there, coming into it with my little touches and creative notes. Um, I coming into it, uh, working with the makerspace to like, I did custom. I like, we, um, I worked with Tyler and we made a custom version of Woodford's logo. They've not used this on any branding, uh, the, the circle they've used, and this is the shape of their bottle, but I've not seen them put together like this. Um, so we screen printed it. uh, I got quilter's cotton from the quilt shop on riverfront um, and I did so this is the color of their bourbon label. This is the color of their rye label, and then this is just the color of whiskey oh. and then I just tossed it on the sewing machine and sewed up some cocktail napkins for presentation. Let me see that yeah, That's yeah awesome. what did you all bring with you? I want to see these. um I've got. My little, this is a little teakwood stamp that Caleb and I whipped up again at the makerspace. There we go. Um, so it's we used the glow forge. Yep. And did uh like a reverse engraving so that Ooh. there's a raised portion so I can take this and press it into a peel and yeah. create the uh-huh. logo so that I can tag it and put it on the drink. You're like a brandy. no. Exactly. Right? Yeah, exactly. Little... I've created my own little branding things, utilizing Woodford.
3: I love that. I just love when anyone goes this hard on <laughs> anything they're doing.
0: It's, I, I always love it. It, it comes from the, the theater and the design background. I think yeah, it's, yeah. it's digging in, it's doing research. It's like really looking deeply into, into things and trying to be creative with them and trying to, integrate different disciplines and like I'm integrating my hobbies because I I enjoy sewing. Uh, I'm integrating the spaces that I have access to in this town, which is also, I think that's going to play really well with, you know, the city inspired cocktail. I have things that I'm using throughout my entire presentation that are utilizing the art scene here that are utilizing Exactly. Exactly. It's stuff that I have access to in this community that I don't think most of these people in these other cities are going to have access to either, you know, a local arts co-op or the people that, that, uh, staff it who are willing and able to help them yeah,
1: Yeah,
0: and like come up with this stuff and work with them for, you know, half an hour on a random Thursday night to put Mm -hmm. this together. Um, and so that's another thing that I'm bringing. And then just digging into history and storytelling. Um, so, like, my first cocktail in Manhattan is the Alive and Revived because uh, Brown Foreman is the owner of Woodford Reserve. They're also the owner of Old Forester. Old Forester is Woodford's sister brand. Um, okay,
3: yeah, because I thought the one last year was Old
0: Forester, so that confused it was, me. It was Woodford. Um, oh, okay. I just talk about the entire brand a lot. Yeah, like yeah, I, yeah. I cover, cool. I'm like, I can pick out all of the brands on our shelf yeah, yeah, that yeah. are. Brown Forman products, like because it's Ford's, it's Chambord, Herradura, uh Jack Daniels, Woodford, Old Forester. They have Finlandia vodka, which we don't have. They have El Jimador. Like they've got a a large yeah. portfolio. I like
3: all of those, about one.
0: <laughs> We're not going to talk negatively. Um, but um, so I just in in really really reading up on. On the company last year, I did a lot of digging and I found all of these details and information. Uh, Old Forester is a brand that has been around since before Prohibition and has been producing consistently throughout. They were producing during Prohibition. They were making like medicinal alcohol and stuff during Prohibition. Mm. Jay Rieger shut down like within a month of within a month before Prohibition because they knew it was coming and they knew we're not going to be able to make it through this. So they shut down, they sold off mm-hmm. and everything. And then someone came back and revived the brand in, I believe, 2014. Mm-hmm. And so it's the the bourbon lived, Jay Rieger revived. Mm-hmm. So alive and revived. And then it's also, I'm saying i think it's whiskey's answer to the espresso martini because it comes off with coffee notes but it is very like manhattan centered um it's just interesting and then there's um the henry's last stand is my second cocktail it's a play on a ramos gin fizz which is a classic like old old classic new orleans like pre-prohibition cocktail that basically you're you're creating a meringue inside of your shaker tin so you've got egg white in there you've got cream uh for for the ramos gin fizz you've got gin uh lime juice i believe cream egg white some simple syrup You're shaking the hell out of that, like traditionally 15 minutes of shaking for this cocktail because you're creating a meringue inside of your shaker tin. You're Mm. pouring it into your glass. You're letting it sit there and settle out for like three minutes. And then you're making a hole in the top of the meringue and you're pouring in the rest of your drink. And then that meringue should be self-supporting and should lift itself out of the glass. What? I don't know what a meringue is all of a sudden. (laughs) Uh, Like the top of a key lime pie. Oh, okay. Right. It's the whipped egg white that like holds. Yeah. You like whip it till you get peaks, and then you know it'll hold. Yep. Huh. So you can like see it looks a little like a sponge. Yeah. It's got okay. this like airy texture to it. Yep. Um. But like if you do this cocktail right, it lifts itself up out of the glass, mm-hmm. and it self supports with a head of foam on top of the drink that holds its shape. Mm. Um, well, how do you do? You, how do you approach that drink? Like, a, a... <laughs> ooh, ooh. forearm
2: it,
3: workouts. Here's
0: the thing. I had never. I think I had attempted to make a Ramos one time before I started this process this year. Mm -hmm. Um, and I did not do well the first time it did not work. Um, but I did a lot of research. I looked at a lot of like websites and like different opinion pieces. Like what is the best way to make a Ramos without, you know, getting an arm day situation. Um, And I found one resource that basically said, you have to change the way you're looking at it. Think about the ice that you're using. Think about it in a culinary aspect. Like think about like, what would you do to try and whip something up? And so instead of doing, traditionally it has a dry shake before with no ice to try and get that meringue going. And then you add ice. What I've figured out is uh, I found a way to do it in a minute and a half of shaking. Basically, you take a couple of large format cubes, like one and a half to two inch cubes. You put those in with your, all of your ingredients except for your cream. You shake for a minute with that, you break it open, you add your cream and you add pebble ice. And then you go for another 30 seconds. And that just works. Like the large cubes aerate a bunch Mm. and then the cream will destabilize your egg white. So before, so you get in a good amount of your whip before you put your cream in so that your egg white has a chance to stabilize for the most part and then the pebble ice helps to dilute a lot better and then also get a little bit of that a little bit of that final aeration in there cool yeah it was a process yeah it sounds Um, like it well
3: uh Chris what would you say is the best way someone in Mankato could support you both in this competition and just in general as a local bartender we all
0: know and love um I wouldn't say that there's necessarily anything to do for the competition, aside from just like, you know, be around. Give me a smile. Yeah. Yeah. You know, let me know that like you're thinking about it, but like there's no voting for this. It's Mm. just based on the judge's rubric. Um, But yeah, just know about it. uh, Talk about it. Think about it. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> really there's it. There's not a lot To be done for the competition cool. But like Cheer on the The Mankato wreck. Yeah. Can you see it Is it on TV support? Uh support I don't think so I don't okay. think it's gonna be Televised or broadcast In any way uh, They're gonna have Photographers there But I don't think They're gonna have Any videography
1: Maybe they need yeah. A stream team Yeah do they need A stream <laughs> yeah. team
0: right, Can they fly us out Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: I do not know um, If it comes up Naturally
0: Right yeah, 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 so yeah, I'll yeah, just yeah, You I'll Pepper it in <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah then uh the other thing just go out to your local places go out to the bars that you know and love go out to ones that you haven't tried before explore a little bit try things out just be supportive of the community we've had a rough few years and we're starting to bounce back from that and we're starting to feel like we're back to normal we're back to like regular business but like go out because if and go out to the local ones because if those ones go under that's when we lose our local influence, our local like we lose, you know, our, our local produce. We use we lose our local creativity if because like Applebee's is always going to be able to be around. Yeah. Olive Garden's always going to be able to be around. Yeah. Those ones will always they've got a large corporate structure behind them. Mm-hmm. Go out to the local places, go out to the places that are, you know, locally owned, locally run, local creative sources behind them. Go to those places, support them. And just like don't be a dick. Like just be a decent person. Don't start a fight. Don't like be, you know, be respectful. Mm -hmm. Because like I like the don't be a dick. This this is this is like what I do for work. Mm. Like you're walking into my workplace and you're just starting a fight. Like, should I walk into your office and just start shouting at someone, (laughs) screaming at them, being belligerent? Or asking you to take shots with me.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's my fantasy. I know it's your lunch break, but you want to do, like, some tequila shots? Right, right. Like, just remember,
0: this is where someone's working. And, like, this is still a place of business and a place for work. Like, I don't want to have, you know... If you're working at the post office, you don't want to deal with someone throwing up all of a sudden. Yep. Like, just conduct yourself like you are in public. <laughs> Have fun, but just still like try to be respectful and keep yourself in check. Mm-hmm.
3: Love it. Do you ever post uh, your drinks or anything on Instagram or
0: anything? I'm really bad at Instagram. Okay. Uh, they sent out like their pre-information for this contest, and I was like, ah, oh, shoot. I have to get back on Instagram because I haven't <laughs> posted anything in over a year. Yeah. Um, so I've been trying to be a lot more active on there in the last like three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to try to keep that up. Uh, but I'm a really bad doom scroller. So I don't like spending time on Instagram. Yeah, I yeah. will spend three hours yeah. and yes. achieve nothing. Right. Um, but I'm working on getting better at that and working on posting and yeah, keeping Heck, drinks yeah. and that kind of stuff up there.
3: Well, thanks for coming on, man. It was really cool to talk to you about this. I've, uh, yeah, me and it, yeah. Jacob work directly with you at Wine Cafe. So it's cool to hear to get you, get a chance to like nerd out about it for a while.
0: Yeah. Well, thanks for having me.
3: It was a great time. Yeah. And best of luck in the competition.
0: Thank you. I guarantee you'll win. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that. I'll, I'll I'll just present that to them and say, "I'm sorry, but Jacob Basis from Encanto said that I was going to win from Triple yes. Falls Productions. Fame. I'm, I'm sorry, but you've you've made a mistake here yes. in the
3: rubric." <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everyone.